I'm gonna make him an awful game. I feel the need, the need for speed. He's watched every movie more than once. He's Stephen Fennick. Go ahead, make my day. He's watched the latest Disney movies with his kids, uh, but that's about it. He's Trevor Long. You talking to me? Together they bring you the best movies you've never seen. I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Rent BioStream, the latest and greatest movies on Fetch. Say hello to my little friend! The best movies you've never seen. The first rule of Fight Club is... You do not talk about Fight With Stephen Fennick and Trevor Long. This is the captain. Brace for impact. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of The Best Movies You've Never Seen. This is a podcast that picks out the great movies, movies that I've seen many times. My name is Stephen Fennick, seen movies many, many times, but also a movie that our our co-host Trevor Long has never seen before. How are you, Trev? That's the title. The best movies you've never seen. You may not have. You may have seen them, but I certainly haven't. Um, it, and I'm very well great. looking forward to this one, mate. It's been great building your movie knowledge. I, I feel proud of the fact we're building up <laughs> you, your knowledge in movies. Yeah. And you're going to turn into a movie critic one of these days. I just know it. I, I, we've talked about this in other areas other, on other podcasts, but I do feel like I'm I'm becoming more criti- critical of everything I watch now. So oh, you know, good for you. Good I'm going to put critic next to my bio. The, <laughs> well, the movie we were looking at this week is a classic. The Silence of the Lambs is released in 1991. It's celebrating its 30th anniversary. Can you believe? Wow. And it's based on the best-selling Thomas Harris novel, which I've read. Uh, really, really cool novel. Uh, pretty faithful to the novel. Uh, it was directed by Jonathan Demme, uh, a, a director well-known for his work. Uh, his, his movie, Something Wild, Married to the Mob, really underrated film. Philadelphia, starring Tom Hanks and and uh, and uh, Antonio Banderas. And it was it, it's about... Tom Hanks won his first Oscar in that in that film with uh, yeah he was a he was a, a gay man who suffering from AIDS yep. and um, and Denzel Washington played his lawyer who defended him for his rights but will we we'll be getting to that movie as well one of these days so you had you've no doubt heard of this movie I think this is this is again one of those ones that you you can't have not heard about in fact you can't have not known those basic principles of the movie and that's my prior to watching it i came into it knowing in fact i i knew the two key cast members um and i knew that there was a cannibal involved so i knew i was coming into something that was probably um not one for the kiddies and that i would uh i would be need to kind of brace myself for that's that's pretty much all i came into it thinking so you knew that this was going to be a a pretty uh a gruesome watch yeah i I figured 
I, in my head, I had um, like I, I watch a lot of those crime and investigation channels. Um, and I like those, you know, the first 48 hours and all those kind of yeah. uh, documentaries about, you know, crimes that have been solved and stuff. So in my head, it was going to be a look at a, you know, a, a cannibal um, and the crimes he committed. But I, I, I had no idea in my head how you would get that out in a movie like this. Oh. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad that you've finally seen it. it. It was very well received at the time. Critics loved it, except for one. There's one famous uh, critic in the States, the Chicago Tribune critic Gene Siskel. Remember Siskel and Ebert were the two movie, the movie critics on TV? Uh, he's since, um, he since passed away, Gene Siskel. He was only 53 when he died a few years ago. Uh, but he was saying he was the one critic who actually didn't like it. Wow. He was saying that uh, director Demi superheats the silence of the lamb to the point of silliness in terms of both gross behaviour and a pulsating soundtrack. The conclusion of the film is nothing more than a grisly version of every mad slasher picture you've ever missed. So wow. that, that's a review that didn't age very well because every single other critic raved about it and it, it did actually come back to haunt him, that, uh, that, that, that wow. review. But uh, this, the, the Silence of the Lambs cleaned up at the Oscars. It won all five major awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress and Best Screenplay. So the big five, it took them all out. It's only the third movie to ever do that. The only other two films before that was It Happened One Night back in 1934 and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1975 starring Jack Nicholson and so uh, and directed by Milos Forman. So that that is also on our list to cover as well, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But it swept it, one of only three films to do it. Wow. Right, we're going to dive into the movie now and we're going to be revealing some pretty solid spoilers. So if you've watched it already, hang in there. If you haven't watched it, perhaps uh, you may want to take this last exit before the freeway and catch it on Fetch. Fetch, uh, proud sponsors of the best movies you've never seen and 4K is available for selected new movies and worthy classics. Plus there's a choice of SD or HD for most titles, allowing you to choose the the, uh, the cost you want to pay for to buy or rent. They've got a great library there. You can browse through curated themes like cult classics or ultimate Brat Pack movies, French movies, whatever you like. And there's regular specials on Fetch as well. So if you just want a, a nice chilled movie night, just open up the movie store and you'll find something to watch. If you haven't got a Fetch box, uh, you can find them at major retailers here in Australia or ring your internet provider. A lot of internet providers offer Fetch as a part of your monthly plan. So we thank Fetch for their support and we hope that you're enjoying all the cool movies that we're watching on your Fetch as well. All right. So if you're still listening, it means you must be ready to go. Fasten the seatbelts. We're about to dive in here. Trevor, okay, you knew it was you're in for a, a bit of a gruesome watch. And so how did you your first impressions compare to your impressions after your first watch? I I, I found it fascinating because of like I, I, because I knew this this character Hannibal Lecter, right? I assumed it was going to be a story about Hannibal Lecter, and I assumed that we'd be hearing about his crimes. Like, if you look at everything you know about this movie, even in trailers and stuff, he's in jail. Like he's been captured, you know, the mask and all these things, right? So, I assume you, you know, they catch him, and then there's a trial. Like I'm a Law and Order fan, right? So I assume <laughs> that kind of thing, right? Okay. But in fact, it's that what what I kind of loved about it was the fact that it was actually kind of a a tale of two stories the you know the the, the criminals uh, input into uh, an issue a, a case it was basically a, a consultant it yeah was, 
and uh, because I mean, he's the worst work. criminal on the row <laughs> in the worst part of the, the 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 criminal justice system, and he's being consulted about uh, an on the run, you know, case. Brilliant. So, how would you put this in a tweet if you were tweeting it out to people to watch this movie? Well, I think I actually would use this movie. You'd want would, them to watch this movie. I would use some of what I just said. I I, I would obviously say Silence of the Lambs is one of those top tier movies you've definitely heard of. A fascinating crime story seen from two very different angles. I think that, for me, is is the standout here. It's that, you know, FBI investigative, really cool thing. And then you've got this, you know, inside knowledge of a cannibal. That's just, wow. it's a mind-blowing plot. And, yeah, I saw this in the theatre when it came out back in 1991. I remember, and I, and I had already read the book before I, I saw the movie. I never, ever read a book after i've seen a movie if there's a movie based on a book and i haven't read the book i will never read the book i, I need to read the book first to, so you'll never read, read the book movie. after the movie no, that's saying? right so if, if, okay. if yeah if, if there's a movie made of a book and i haven't and i watch the movie i won't go and read that book I, I'm ah. under very rare circumstances so I, there was one movie that we've covered sully i read the book that was based on the the movie i read right. his book uh but let's move on to the casting call and what a cast we've got here Jodie Foster starring as Clarice Starling. She's already she had already won an Oscar at this stage for The Accused. I'm pretty sure you haven't seen that movie either. Yep. The Accused uh, is a great film, and she so she's already got the Oscar in the bag for that. But she was a, a child actor. Like she was in Taxi Driver as oh, a twelve wow. year old with Robert wow. De Niro. She was in Freaky Friday. So Disney, she was in a Disney film. Great movie she was in recently too was Flight Plan where she plays a, a, a woman who's lost her child on a flight, oh. mid-flight. Good film, that one. Like Home Alone and in the Air. Maybe. And also uh, she was in Inside Man with, uh, with Denzel Washington as well. Another, another good movie that will get on our list as well. And uh, she also started uh, her very first film after Silence of the Lambs. She directed. It was her first directorial role. Little Man Tate was the film she directed. But her co-star, of course, Anthony Hopkins, plays Hannibal Lecter. And he, he not only won the Oscar for, for Silence of the Lambs, but he, most, he won the most recent Oscar this year for the film The Father. So uh, even 30 years apart, he's still winning Oscars. Wow. He was also, I don't know whether you've seen, I'm sure you heard of it, the movie The Elephant Man. He was also the doctor in The Elephant Man. I'm just going to say this yeah. to you, yeah. Stephen. This is a, I, don't, I don't play any role in the selection of movies, but I'm not doing that movie. You're not? No, okay. we're, we're never doing Elephant Man really? on this show. Okay. Right. Um, I, uh, I must have stumbled across it or walked in on someone really? watching it as a kid. I had nightmares. Oh, massive really? nightmares. Okay, yeah. okay, cool, cool. I'm talking okay. as a young, young let me just, child. Uh, let me just look at my notes here. Let me cross it off the list. Of yeah, it was, uh, exactly. down, down the list a bit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the other actor that you may recognise is Ted Levine, who plays uh, James Gum. He's in another film we're covering in a few weeks, actually. He's in Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And did you recognise Jack Crawford? From a film we did a couple of weeks ago, Jack Scott Glenn, the actor who played Jack Crawford in Silence of the Lambs, Scott Glenn was in The Hunt for Red October. Remember, he played uh, Doctor uh, the uh, Captain Mancuso. He was the captain wow. of the USS Dallas. He was the Jack Crawford. He was the boss of the FBI. Um, Clarice Starling's yep. boss. Yeah, did, did, oh, a couple of weeks ago, my God. <laughs> he was also in Backdraft. Have you seen Backdraft? The no. but firefighters movie, and uh, he was also in Training Day. Training Day is on our list, also. All right, let's dive into the memorable scenes, mate. I'll yeah. kick it off, and it starts with uh, 
you see Clarice Starling uh, running the track at the FBI training in uh, in Quantico. Uh, she's then called off the track and said, uh, "Look, uh, Jack Crawford would like to see you." And mm. this is uh, his head of the behavioral the behavioral unit, and uh, she goes off to see him, and and immediately I was struck. There was this one shot. Remember, she gets into a lift and she's pretty tiny and she's in a lift surrounded by all these really tall men. And yep. that, that come, I'll tell you later, that comes back, that little shot, that, that sort of look comes back again. So she's I, made the, the thing about small. that shot also is that, and mm. this is plays to the, the, the urgency of her, her meeting was she'd come off the training track, sweaty in her track yeah. suit. Um, and these are men in suits at the FBI. And it's like, they're looking essentially like literally down on her. And it was, yeah. I think it was a real uh, place setter for her character. Absolutely. Yeah. So w- she walks in and uh, she meets with uh, Jack Crawford, who, while she's waiting in his office, remember, she looks on the wall and sees all the, all the newspaper clippings for Buffalo Bill. And mm. uh, I think one of them says Bill skins fifth. And so she, we know that there's something in the air there. And then she says, look, uh, she's sending her on a bit of an errand to see Dr. Lecter. Uh, oh. And he, he sort of tells her, you know, don't deviate from the rules. Don't tell him, share anything personal. You don't want him inside your head. So immediately, before we've even met Dr. Lecter, uh, Hannibal Lecter, we're already, we're already worried about what the hell's going to happen. Yeah, and it, it, mate, he does set it quite well because it doesn't come across as a massively intense assignment because this is young, you know, trainee. I didn't quite realise at that point she's a trainee, but I think it becomes yeah. very obvious through that phase. Um and then she moves straight to this meeting. It's like, you know, you've got to go now. And she goes to this meeting. There's this, um, you know, I guess the doctor at the asylum that he's at. Um, she He's guiding it down and taking it down there. And she's like, no, nah, mate, I'm going in on my own. And, yeah. mate, this scene. Then he, hang on, then he tells her the rules, remember? Don't approach the glass. Don't do yeah. this. Don't do that. And so you're yeah. thinking, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, don't approach the glass. And he says, I've set a chair up for you. And they show the chair down, down a long corridor. You know, a bunch of cells. Very, the very, very much, end, yeah. It sets it up as not being a jail, too, to me. Um, it's not a regular jail because oh, yeah. they don't look security. like normal cells in any way, shape, or form. And she leaves him behind, you know, basically says, mate, I'm, you're not coming with me. I'm going on my own. And, and it is such an intense, the whole walking past the other other prisoners coming up to him. I, I thought it was a really and great first meeting. I loved it when she walks up to the glass and he's already standing in the middle of the room, waiting like, as if he, he's expecting her. Yes. And um, she flashes the – he goes, I'd like to see the your credentials. And she holds it up and he goes, closer, please. And then she's sort of edging towards the – That's the, the, the first glass. point where you go, hang on a minute, he said don't get close. And you're like, well, don't do it to what yeah. you're doing. And, you know, there was obviously other things which we won't go directly into, but there was some abuse from the next prisoner – yeah, um, well, that was that cell. was he asked her. He asked her about that, and uh, she was there meant to give him a um, a a form of of a survey to fill out, mm. and that was kind of the ruse that that Jack Crawford. And he was initially offended that I guess Jack Crawford sent a trainee to me, and after a little while, he he was he was remember he was he sort of he he got a picture of her, yep, and then laid this on her. Oh, Agent Starling, you think you can dissect me with this blunt little tool? No. I, I thought that your knowledge... You're so ambitious, aren't you? Do you know what you look like to me with your good bag and your cheap shoes? You look like a rogue. A well-scrubbed, hustling rogue with a little taste. Good nutrition's given you some length of bone, but you're not more than one generation from poor white trash, are you, Agent Starling? 
and that accent you've tried so desperately to share, pure West Virginia. Pure White Trash. Painted a pretty solid picture just one time, and yeah. But I did like her response too. She said, well, you see pretty well, but are you prepared to direct that at yourself now? And Yeah. Which... Which also, that moment where, you know, he kind of unleashes, not unleashes, but he puts it on her and then she immediately turns it on him by saying, well, yeah, fine, but, you know, fill out the form and that's, that's yeah. how we, we learn from They you. build a bit of rapport here. So they, yeah, they, but, but it, yeah. also, it also immediately builds her as being more than just a, you know, dumb young trainee. You know, she's yeah. clearly savvy. She's smart. She's, she's got a bit of sass. I think that's yeah. really, really cool about it. Well, as she's, as she's exiting, remember uh, our, our mate Miggs in the cell next door. Yeah. Um, he, he, let's just say he throws something at her that you wouldn't want thrown. After treating him. his body like an amusement park. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, uh, and then, so he, he runs like, remember Lecter calls her back and, and he tells her, go to this storage garage, this one, Miss Moffat, go here. Mm. And then that was the next scene we're looking at is when she visits that storage garage and remember, they're, they're trying to open up the door, and she says, look, if, if I don't come out of here, can you just ring this person on this card if I don't make yeah. it out of here again? Anyway, long story short, she gets into that storage garage, and wasn't it so much bigger than you expected? Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking, that's a warehouse. That's not yeah. a storage shed. It looked like she was opening a Canard storage unit, and she <laughs> opens it up, and it's like the it's like an abandoned home just with goods oh, and things. and Huge. And, well, then she finds under the blanket the big the car, and then she gets in the car, and looking around with her with a flashlight, and then boom, we see in a jar uh, a head that's just sitting in a jar. With uh, if you look closely, the the head's got makeup and false eyelashes, and you're thinking, what the hell is this? So uh, it is, uh, it is. You 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 discover that that uh, Doctor Lecter is is obviously trying to offer some help here. And you're wondering, well, where is this going to lead? Where, where are we going now? Yeah, because he, he, at that point, starts to talk about his demands, doesn't he? He starts to talk about what he would want um, in return for you know, helping to catch this potential killer. He, there's also an interesting part of it where he knows about Buffalo Bill at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, come, he, he doesn't need to be educated by her about this thing going on, which you may go into later about the plot, but... I found that a bit fascinating that that yeah. this guy who's locked in a room in an asylum could know so much about the current world events. That's all. Yeah. So we we, we see then uh, the next scene, which is um, yeah, the where Buffalo Bill strikes again. And this is, uh, I guess, this is where I realised that oh, this is not all going to be about Hannibal Lecter. This is actually going to completely deviate into this story about this Buffalo Bill. Um, because at this point, you've, you've really only realised that this um, Jack Crawford character is, is strongly investigating this. And yeah, there's a bit of, you just don't know where the movie's going in terms of this, this storyline. But you've got this you know, young girl driving home, looks at a cat in the window, ready to feed the cat. And this, this dude pull, uh, comes up to her with a couch. You know, asking yeah. her help to get and into a, a van. He's got a, like he's got a broken arm. He's got a, a broken arm trying to get yeah. a couch in a car, in, in a van. And she initially reluctantly, but then she's like, I'm a good person. The, the, the subtext in her mind is, I'm a good person. Here's a guy that needs help. I'm going to go and help him. And she yeah. does. And he pushes her into the van and obviously is kidnapping. And yeah, he, I think he knocks, her out with, knocks her out with a cast. Yeah. And then um, he sees, remember, he checks her dress size. Remember, she he asks, he goes, "Are you a size 14? And when, when she's in the, remember, he pushes the couch all the way into the van, and she's in the van, and that's when he he, he bumps he her, her out. 
and he leaves rips, leaves rips, the torn off dress. And leaves yeah, it behind. it's kind yeah. of like one of his calling cards. But uh, uh, we flash forward to uh, they've found another victim and they they have to fly off to the to to the funeral home where the autopsy is being conducted. And this is again the scene where um, Clarice arrives and again all all the the sheriffs are there and she's standing in a room this this small girl surrounded by these tall men it's a, it's another right. it's another similar image that we had from the first scene where she's meant to be look like she's this small person in this larger world and so do you think it's about painting her as out of place so well she's know, they, out of a depth she, sort of thing yeah out of yeah. a depth yeah, she's it's definitely. probably a m- bunch of things it's probably uh, she's a woman and she's yep. out of place in the FBI or in law enforcement um she's tiny and and she's young and she's young and, and naive so those three things are the three ways in which she's completely out of a depth here according to all these other people absolutely uh, but yeah. and that's that's visually represented by both the casting and the the, the staging of the set and it, she's in the in the funeral home and she has a flashback then to the death of a father, like you see uh, in the funeral home uh, in the present day, that you see that the the person they got an open casket. Then the next scene is a, is a cut sort of from the looking from inside the inside the coffin, and this little girl approaches, and you realise that that's she's having a flashback, and yeah. she recalls the death of her father uh, when uh, when she was a young girl. And, and you know, then, then they're they actually proceed. doing the they're actually then doing the autopsy right there yeah. in the funeral home. It's yeah. yeah, it's one of those weird, like it doesn't look, um, you know, if you think about crime shows, it doesn't look like, you know, it's the medical examiner's office because you've obviously got yeah. a time frame here and it's a smallish town or whatever. It's just at a funeral home. But, you know, she's 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 right into the deep end here. She's the one that's got the gloves on and begins the investigation of did the you, body. Did you, did you like how they had the, they pass around the, the little, the Vicks vapor rub for the under their yeah. nose? No <laughs> whatever whatever that was. Yeah. I didn't want that one to do. Before uh, they opened the bag. Spell. Yeah. And then they began the autopsy, and she, the the, the coroner, is taking photos uh, with with a, what I'm thinking is a Polaroid camera. So I, he's pulling out images, pictures mm, out yeah. of the back of it. Yep. So it wasn't a digital camera, obviously. Right. So uh, he he takes a shot in a mouth or to to try to identify her from dental records, and uh, she says, "Oh, hang on, there's something down the throat." Wow. And then they pull out. Remember the uh, they pull out this little gruesome little cocoon, thing. Yeah, and uh, she then heads off to to discover it's the death's head moth. She goes to see those two those two nerdy dudes Nerds. in the museum who are playing chess. Did you see they were playing chess with bugs, with live bugs? Playing chess with live bugs, bugs and then yeah. one of them one of them cracks onto her while they're <laughs> talking about a murder and a yes, death. Yes, it's, like, <laughs> it's it's very it's very good um you know transition away. Like it, it's a kind of you know intense movie and that those kind of scenes just relax you back into yeah. A, a different mode, which I think is slows smart. it down. Absolutely. So she, she then goes straight back to Hannibal essentially and tells him about the moth, at which point he already knows and he can explain this to her. He says it's all about transformation. Yeah, like I think he guesses. He says, Is it a moth? A butterfly? Yes, yeah, it was a moth. And that wasn't in the press either. So that yeah. was him sort of knowing something there. Yeah. And uh, I, I find that like a really fascinating scene. But then, and you got to hear flashback in your own mind to those rules where it's like, you know, Crawford says, "Don't tell him anything about you." But she's here now, trying to, you know, make a make a deal with this guy to get information, to get his help. And so she feels there's this conversation she needs to give a bit and to to get a bit. Quid pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. Not about this case, though. About yourself. Quid pro quo. Yes or no? 
Yes, and now Clarice. Poor little Catherine is waiting. Go out. What is your worst memory of childhood? Death of my father. Tell me about it and don't lie, or I'll know. He was a town marshal, and one night he surprised two burglars coming out of the back of a drugstore. They shot him. So that was that was kind of uh, Hannibal's, let, let's say, his payment for his advice. He yeah. wanted to, he goes, you tell me things, I tell you things. That's that's the deal. And he mentioned Catherine, which is we discover the daughter of a senator, the girl that's just been abducted. By the girl who's Catherine Martin, yeah, was the daughter of Senator Ruth Martin. And the next thing we see is uh, Senator Martin on television appealing to whoever's taken her daughter, and. You, you may notice that she kept repeating her name, Catherine, and Catherine is this, and and then um, Starling and her one of her trainees says that's smart. They're saying her name over and over again. It 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 it, it makes the person seem more human to the yeah. her abductor. So it's uh, which is which point. is also a critical moment because when you then move to we see her at Buffalo Bill's you know home hideout whatever you want to call it. She's down this bloody well. Like, he's got a, a well inside a home, and she's down the bottom of it. And you assume he's just essentially feeding her down down in the well. But he's given her a lotion. She, he wants her to rub a lotion on her yeah. body. And, you know, we know now he's a cannibal. We know that he's skinning these uh, these women yeah. that he's abducting. So you make the sense that he's trying to, I don't know, you know, make the skin in, in good condition before he does this. But he refers to her all the time as it. So yeah. in one scene, you've got the mother of the victim calling her Catherine always by the name. And then the next scene, you've got this guy just it. She, she's, she's not a she. Yeah. She's a thing. She's yeah. not a name. She's a thing. Yeah. But doesn't Oof. she freak out? Remember when she lowers, he lowers the bucket with the lotion and the, there's a light attached to it. And I think you know, she, she she's already had the lotion. He puts the bucket down for her to put the lotion back in. Yeah. And the light on it illuminates the inside of the well and... What, what does she see? She, she sees, sees blood and a big fingernail. Yeah, and then she proceeds to just freak out. And, and the link there is back in that autopsy, there's a fingernail missing from, from yeah. the body that they found. And so she loses her mind because she's realised she's not the first person in this well. She's, you know, she can see blood. It's, I mean, hard enough to imagine ever being trapped in a well by an abductor, yeah. but you can imagine where that takes her mind. Well, next up we see Senator Martin. Uh, so they've, they've done, they've, they've agreed. Now, remember, in, in, in the meantime, Dr. Chilton has uh, was listening in on on uh, on the Clarice's inter- interview with Hannibal, and they make a deal to say, okay, let's take him to, to help him out, to help Senator Martin, and they, they fly him then to Memphis to meet Senator Martin, and they... You see him in his cell, all tied up and 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 in in a like in a trolley, so he can't yeah. move, he can't attack anyone. And then we see him come out. I think that they bring him out the back of a van in 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 the mask that yeah. that mask that you probably knew had seen. You knew you could identify that mask even before you saw the movie. That's right. If if you showed me that picture, I'd say Silence of the Lambs. Like it's yeah, it's iconic. I think- it was. Uh, I remember the year that year of the Oscars uh, when uh, Billy Crystal hosted the Oscars that year, and uh, he made his entrance. They wheeled him out in a, <laughs> a trolley wearing that mask. Yeah, it was quite funny. But he again, when he meets Senator Martin, 
it's again his quest for personal information. He asks about your daughter. Yeah, did you breastfeed her? Did you this? Did you nurse her? So he he's he's trying to to get these little nuggets of personal information, and uh, it, it reaches a point where she rejects him and, uh, and and asks him to send him back to Baltimore. Take this thing back to Baltimore. Five foot ten, strongly built, about one hundred and eighty pounds. Hair blonde, eyes pale blue. He'd be about 35 now. He said he lived in Philadelphia, but may have lied. That's all I can remember, Ma. But if I think of any more, I will let you know. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. <laughs> oh, he loves his suit. Mate, that, that voice, that accent, yeah. so good. Chilling, isn't it? It's just creepy, right? Yeah. <laughs> so well done. Like, he yeah. deserved the Oscar just for that. Oh, he's a genius, yeah. Creepy AF, like really good. But what's fascinating then is you move to, you know, so he's now been flown somewhere. So they they then cut to essentially he's been he's been housed now in what looks like a city hall of some sort. And there's a huge ballroom and they've built this cage, this jail cell cage right in the middle of the ballroom. So there's, you know, 20 metres either side of the cage. You know, the, the it's an empty room with two, you know, police guards. Um, but Clarice wrangles away in. She's got an FBI ID, so it's probably not that hard, but she wrangles her way in. Um, and in, in a previous scene back at the um, at the original jail, he's 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 got to sign something or there's a pen there and he looks at the pen and they zoom in on the pen as if to yes. draw your attention to it. And then you find out he's got that he's got the, the tip of the pen. He's had it in his mouth the whole time. Oh, it's just Yeah. And oof. then well, Clarice brings back his drawings, remember? And um, That's right, yeah. On her second visit, after the going to the find the head in the car mm. in the jar, remember he had his drawings taken away. They 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 stripped his cell. Yeah. So early on, the very first meeting, he said, "Oh, you drew that from memory." He goes, "Memory's all I got." He goes, "That's the view of the Duomo from the Belvedere," and to punish him, they took him away. Mm. Uh, but now she's bringing them back again to uh, to the cell. And, and all this time, he's had the case files, right? Yes. Um, so he was, she handed he was that to him in that them. cell as well, and yeah. he'd been looking over these case files. But the creepiest part is, um, you know, he, he again wants childhood information from her. And I crept up into the barn. I was so scared to look inside, but I had to. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lamb. They were screaming. They were slaughtering the spring lambs. And they were screaming. And you ran away? No. First I tried to free them. I I opened the gate to their pen, but they wouldn't run. They just stood there. So that was it's a fascinating thing because about, yeah. she's again trying. He's trying to get personal information. She really opens up here. And by the way, the movie's called The Silence of the Lambs. That's the first reference to lambs. So you go, oh, well, okay, yeah. finally something. What the hell's yeah. going on here, right? They don't. Um, ever, I don't even even say they don't actually say that phrase in the movie. The Silence of the Lambs. No, they but never say it in the he, movie. He, but we he know refers, what it implies. He refers yeah. to silence and lambs later on. He you know, he says he asks. We'll we'll talk later on when he says he never say silence. I think he says have the lamb stopped screaming. We'll talk about that later. That, yeah, but that's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's referred to clear enough. I love it not... when they say the name of the movie in the in the movie. I love that. They don't. Why? I don't know. Just it's it's a satisfying little thing. I don't know. Do they say Star Wars in Star Wars? <laughs> no. Well, 
That's why it's rubbish movie. <laughs> um, so, but the point. <laughs> that was Cars Three. Apparently, he's a lot better. Is that right? <laughs> we'll take a vote. Um, but the, the last thing that happens in this scene is, and by the way, so this is all about her. So the clock's ticking too, by the her, way. Here, yeah. Fear. yeah, they're, they're trying yeah. to find this girl, and she she's now been discovered. She shouldn't be in there. They're trying to drag her out, and he hands back the case files, but he does it in this way that he, his skin can touch hers as as he hands back the case files, which is completely yeah. inconsequential to the whole he thing. He touches her, yeah. He rubs but, his finger on her finger, yeah. But but it makes it just makes a point about his sickness. That, yeah. That's what I think that does. Yeah, but uh, well, later on, so she's left now. She's we got dragged yep. out. And the it's dinner time. Apparently, he asked for another dinner, and he and what he asked for. Do you remember what he asked for? Lamb. Oh, that's right, lamb. Rare, extra rare, extra rare. And when it comes out, it, and he, it's just it looks the bloodiest. Yeah, it's like it hasn't been cooked. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, again, he, he's a cannibal, right? I mean, hello. Yeah, but then when they come out, I think he's behind the partition. I think going to the going. It, it, it's it's clearly toilet. like a toileted area, you know. It's yeah. A little little curtain, a shower curtain that he's you know private doing private business behind. So yeah. they don't see him. They're just bringing out the um, uh, the the meal. But this is where that piece of the pen that he'd stolen. Comes yes. into play, doesn't it? So he he sort of takes it out of his mouth, slips it in his finger, and then he closes his hand so he can't see it in his hand. Remember, he has to back up to the cell. He's got to go backwards, and they, he's put he's got to put his arms behind him, and they cuff him from behind. Yep. And then they bring it in, set it up, and then of course the the shot where what did you think when he had the thing in his hand, and then the they put the plate down near his hand and then the handcuff snaps onto the policeman's wrist. Such a great shot. And you think, oh my God. And no, then but he just that, starts mate, to, yeah. That's one thing, but it's the, yeah. it's, so normally in a movie where where police officers are killed by a prisoner or something, it's a, you know, back whack over the head or they take their gun and they shoot him or something. But this guy cuffs him and then starts eating his face. Um, <laughs> well, you know, he, he sprays him with mace as well. It's kind of, you yeah. know, that's that's uh, that's where this really. Go- I mean, if you haven't already strapped in, that's where this one goes. <laughs> begins to get really brutal, don't you? Yeah, reckon? he uh, absolutely. Yeah, he uh, he he starts spraying with mace, and then he starts beating beating the other officer, and and w- what we see later is uh, he, the result of that. The guy's strung up. Look, his, his stomach's been torn open. He look, he's been strung up. Look like a like a bird up up on top of the cage, and then you see though the officer still injured on the ground yeah, yeah. so oh, they've got one guy strung up dead, yeah you know stripped of his skin it's just filthy and the second officer and by the way in this point you you, you you've got this you know concern now where's hopkins but or where's where's hannibal but yeah. this officer may well still be alive so they're calling for the emt get the ambulance in here you know because this officer while you know um clearly injured and disfigured and and in a bad way should be taken away quickly but meanwhile, on top of the elevator is the what we assume, because Lecter was wearing all white, remember? White yeah. shirt, white yeah. pants. And so there's this person on top of the elevator. They even shoot around in the back of his leg to make sure he's dead. Mm. And uh, But they, they nice, take the you, officer. Well, I thought it was a nice touch discovering the body in the elevator too. But you know, you've got officers who are searching a building, looking, they're in an elevator, and then a drip of blood comes through the roof of the elevator. Yeah. Uh, as if a signal to say so the, officer, the officer was on the on the gurney eh? and then the, the, the white sheet you see the blood dripping and they look up and they go oh oh so they rush and, the officer out get him in an ambulance and then they begin to investigate who's this blood dripping from and they find this you know prisoner in in his white clobber um and 
they, he's dead. So they, that's, that's the way they do it. But what, what I found, like, I feel like I want to say I saw it coming. Ooh. I, f- I feel like when. So at that point you thought the police officer. Was, yes. So the at next this, thing we see is the, him in the ambulance. Because at this point I'm obviously, see, my problem is I think ahead. So I'm going, well, the movie yeah. can't be over. Um, we've got a lot more to go here. So he's escaping because he's not an idiot. He's one of the, he's a genius. So I'm like, hang on a minute. Um, there's been a switcheroo here, and that's exactly what's happened, right? How he, did you feel when he took the bloke's face off him? Oh, mate, that was that was probably one of the – it's weirdly one of the most horrific parts of the movie, right? Because yeah. he's lying there, and he pulls the officer's face off uh, to expose himself. And, and obviously, he's, you know, he skinned this face, and so his face is all bloody. It's just – oh, mate, I mean, <laughs> come on. Oh, it was, When you look at that, it was a very crafty escape, though, and – uh they, they, they end up finding the ambulance. The crew were, were, were killed as well. But yeah. We then move back to Catherine, who has managed to trap Precious, which is um, the dog, Buffalo Bill's dog in the well. And, and clearly so, an important thing to, to him. You're gonna, he, oh, yeah, he, Precious. He, yeah. he really loves this dog. You can tell that all the way through, the way he yeah. talks about it and all that kind of stuff. She twigged to that. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you, you find that he's uh, – I think the the music, the song that he dances to. Remember, he's sort of you, you see he's he's putting something together, yeah. and he's dancing to this song. That song. Every time I hear that song, it, I can only be associated with Silence of the Lambs. It's wow. that it's a song. I can't remember the name of the song, but it's forever associated with with Silence of the Lambs. But uh, what? So the 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 FBI is. You think they're sort of slowly closing in on a suspect here now because Crawford is sort of off to, to do his thing, but. Clarice decides to go visit a victim's home. Yeah, and I think that's this is the thing you've got. Um, uh, Clarice is is at a victim's home. She's touched base with Crawford, who's on his way to pick up the the Buffalo Bill. Like they've identified him from his point of view. They've identified him. Um, so she's off to this victim's home. She, oh, sorry, I'm 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 a step step forward, aren't I? She's at a victim's home where she's she's looking at sewing patterns. Yeah. And so Maybe she opens the door and sees like she's addressed. It's like a second bedroom. So she goes into this victim's bedroom. It doesn't seem much, but she does find photos, like private photos. It's like, you know, selfie nudes that you might, you yeah. know, teenagers today might have in their phones, but they were tucked into a, and it went into a jewelry yeah, box. Polaroids. Yeah, yeah. The next, next room is a, like a sewing room. And, and she does at that point kind of go, hang on a minute, because she opens a door and sees uh, like a, a dress pattern. And she sees these two diamond shapes on the back of the dress. She realizes that's the shape that's been cut out of the back of these bodies. She realizes he's making a skin suit. It's like yeah. it's like a, a a crazy crazy moment. And then she gets the call that uh, Crawford is on his way to arrest the bloke because they're on a plane and he's he's off on, yeah. on a way. She says he says, "Oh yeah, look, yeah, we're already on our way to apprehend him." And so she decides to go. She was sort of investigating where Federica Bimmel, that was the victim's name, who her town. And so she says, "Oh yeah, well, you you might want to check with this guy." And she goes to question the man, yep. who you think, "Well, who who could this be?" And in the meantime, so you so she's coming to this. The FBI are coming to this house, and you think, oh, "Okay, this is this is they're closing in on this guy," and. The next scene you see is them pressing the doorbell. They've got this sort of they've got a bloke posing as a florist with a bunch of flowers. They press the they press the doorbell. You hear this bell ringing, and they open the door. No one there. 
And at the same time, Clarice is pressing a doorbell and you think, oh, my God, they're at the wrong house. Because this is so – I reckon this is the Oscar award-winning moment, right? Yeah. Because you're captivated, right? You're, you're enthralled. You realise that, that that this is all going down now. This is the this is the pinnacle of the movie. But you've got these doorbells being pressed in, in separate areas. You've also got, you know, Buffalo Bill hearing the doorbell. And, and answering, so yeah. You're made to think very clearly that he is, is being rung the doorbell by the FBI. It's just so well edited, but he answers the doorbell and he opens the door and it's Clarice. Your name is? Oh, uh, Jack Gordon. Mr. Gordon. Good. Um, well, Frederica used to work for Mrs. Lippman. Did you know her? No, uh uh-uh. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? Yeah, she was a big girl, sir. Yeah, I, I miss. No, I, I read about her in the newspaper. Um, Mrs. Lippman had a son, though. Maybe he could help you. I got, I got his card in here someplace. So, do you want to come in while I look for it? May I? Yeah, sure. So she's walked in to the house. Yep. And so... Your heart rate is now at peak. Well, you're thinking, get the hell out of there, right? Yep. And she, he's going through these cards and she's looking around and then she sees like what looks like sewing reels and a moth lands on the reel. Yeah. And she says, she realises, oh, my God. It's the moth... It's a funny thing because you don't realize, like you understand the moth earlier on is gruesome. You understand it's an amazing kind of linkage yeah. between Hannibal's input into the case. And, and you see earlier, sorry, you see earlier that he has this like a, a room with a high temperature breeding these moths as well. Yeah. So she sees that and go, and you think. And goes, and that's, that's not normal. We've got everything here. This guy yeah. is a problem. And she goes to, uh, she asks him to make a phone call. Um, and, as he walks to walks out, it's on. The chase is on. It's yeah. mate. Oof. So the this, next this point is, of the movie, my yeah. heart rate is at <laughs> What's epic, epic levels. Yeah. yeah. So the the next part, section here, remember she he puts the night vision goggles on. Yeah, because he used these earlier in the movie too, right? He had these to night vision goggles. Catherine Martin, that's right. Yes, when to he spot, arrived, yes, to spot the earlier or the, the, this this victim. Um, and so he puts them back on because all the lights, he's, he's powered off everything in the house so that he has this advantage over Clarice. Yeah. And she, he's, you know, he's chasing around. She's using sound. And it's, it's actually very well done the way she's kind of touching around, even though she's clearly not acting in the dark, which maybe she is. But, yeah. you know, it's she doesn't pretty, know where she's going. That's right. It's pretty well done, her, you know, sense of touch to get around the room and, and he's, stuff. And he was stretching his hands right near her, remember? He was sort of almost taunting her. Yeah, it's like she could yeah, – you're made to think at this point, I believe, you're made to think that she can sense him, yeah? Because he, he knows she's there. He can see her. But he knows she can't see him, so he doesn't just kill her. He – this is a freak. This is a bloke who's sick. He's probably sitting there thinking, how should I do this? And so yeah. that reaching out and you get this feeling that she can sense him in the room, but then she hears him cock his gun and she just immediately – fires and and brings him down the training pays off for her there doesn't she remember there was a scene early in the movie where she was trained to, to remember she was sort of went in and to to bust it to the bust and but but she failed remember the yeah. guy was behind yeah. the door so at least some of her training stuck so uh she ends up firing killing him and it turns that she, you know, she's graduating and and doc, uh, uh, 
Jack Crawford goes back and they they he he comes to her graduation class and uh, he says to her they say to her uh, you've got a phone call uh, after their graduation they're they're eating they're, they're cutting the cake but she has to go and answer this phone call Starling Wow Clarice have the lamb stopped screaming Not a letter Don't bother with the trace I won't be on long enough. Where are you, Dr. Lecter? I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. What a great line. Yeah. So that that was that was a very interesting ending. And and I think what, what we saw there was that he actually he had she endeared herself to him. He he was never gonna harm her. Uh, she helped. And you him. do have this immediate yeah. sense of belief too. Like it yeah. no, I I saw that obviously for the first time and thought, oh, okay, yeah, 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 he's 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 enjoying this connection and genuinely has no desire to do anything but yeah. have this weird psychotic relationship essentially. So, Brilliant. Yeah, it yeah. was a, a satisfying ending. To There's the another movie. part, but we'll get to that in the in the yeah, in the, we, in the quotes because I think it tops it off. But plenty of good quotes in this movie. So many good lines. This how long was it? Been. It was a shade. Uh, I think it was minute uh, hour fifty eight. It was just under two hours. Yeah, so. it was close. Yeah. And, and but it didn't. It yeah. didn't feel like a long one to me. Yeah, I did. It could have been a lot longer. There, I have read the original script online. There was a lot of scenes that were cut out of the script. I think there might have been some deleted scenes floating around on the internet. But right. uh, there's a lot of great lines on this, and I've got audio for every single line. So we're, we're just going to play them. Here's the first one. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Oh. <laughs> Does that not creep you out or what? You know, you know that little bit at the end where he goes, <laughs> you know, that little slurping sound he makes? Yeah. That was apparently improvised. He 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 just thought, you know what, I'm gonna give it a go. And it, wow. it became one of the one of the top top quotes, top parts of the film. And then the other one is that moment and I referred to it earlier where he um, uh, the 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 dude we're chasing, Aim Gum, yeah, is trying not to acknowledge her as a human being. He's talking about the lotion. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. Mister, my family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. It rubs the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. So yeah, it, that was it, pretty it, cool. It, 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 yeah. But I think also but, another great voice too. Like, yeah, if you think that, about the two sick sickos in this, two great voices that were created. They are, yeah. And uh, well, speaking of voices, the Hannibal Lecter, he, his quotes are the uh, the the picks of the film, I reckon. And this one is when remember she goes back to visit him in Memphis. He says to her, "Goes everything you need to know is in those case files." And so th- this is what he puts to her. What is the first and principal thing he does? What needs does he serve by killing? Anger. Um, social acceptance and uh, sexual frustrations. No, he covets. That is his nature. And how do we begin to covet, Clarice? Do we seek out things to covet? Make an effort to answer now. No. We just... Now, we begin by coveting what we see every day. Don't you feel eyes moving over your body, Clarice? 
And don't your eyes seek out the things you want? Oh, seems so simple, doesn't it? <laughs> but if you say it like other, that, the other thing about that is that's a very cryptic. Like listening to that now means more to me than when I heard it in the movie, and uh-huh. I think that that's another part of the Starling character is so many great little unpackings. You know, where she takes names and unpacks them into the letters and combines new words. Like she does a lot of great FBI detective work, essentially. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it, it really well, presents her as the genius that Crawford Crawford knew she was. It's a result of that advice. Soon after that, she goes back and remember her friend, her trainee tent. friend, and they, they're looking at the – they says, why do these things seem so desperately random? He goes, you covered what you see. So where was the first victim? Belvedere. Let, let's that, that was what led her to go to see Federica Bimmel, the first that, – That essentially she led her pat- to him. Because and, 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 and she, that was what the, she got the breakthrough after that. But we mentioned the end of the film, and this is critical because in that, that phone call that we played, there's one extra line which is genuinely, I think, the best line in the movie. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. <laughs> and, and the best part, again, is not just the line. It's yeah. the line, scripting, delivery, acting, and the cut, the directing. Because at that point, I'm having an old friend to, for dinner – you see the doctor from the original hospital, Doctor Chilton, yeah, walking off the plane <laughs> in this island nation where Lecter clearly is, and he's just sitting yeah. there watching him get off the plane. It's She's just She's so so well done. It's awesome. All right, now let's look at um, some what I maybe pointed out as some plot holes. Like, okay. how did that happen? Um, the first one was well, the FBI were pretty baffled about the pattern. What what? Why, why is he doing this? Who's he, what's, the, what's their relationship? But Clarice pretty summarises, she surmises pretty quickly that he must have known his first victim after the covert line. Yes. So usually what FBI investigators do when they're investigating a serial, they kick off an investigation with serial killers. First of all, they assume that their first victim is someone they knew. That, that's yes. kind of like rule of thumb for FBI. I don't know why the FBI in this one in, the, in this movie, didn't really figure that out sooner. Maybe it's not rule of thumb because they haven't had that full... Because you remember Crawford says at the start, we're doing this research into serial killers. Maybe they yeah. were in the early stages of that and didn't realise that until to, Yeah, I think to answer my own question there, do you remember, I think there was a line where the third victim found, but probably the first one killed. Remember he weighted the woman down in the That's river? Right. That, that could have been it. Um, remember uh, multiple MIGs in the scene in the cell next door? Remember they tell... Uh, Crawford tells Starling, oh, Miggs, uh, he's dead. He swallowed his tongue after Hannibal Lecter was whispering things to him um, during the night. Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, can you really die from swallowing your tongue if you're just laying there? Apparently, I've heard that before. Yeah. Apparently, it's not a voluntary act. Ah. I remember I remember years ago, um, there were. I remember there were incidences of footballers after taking a heavy knock. And their their tongue got sort of thrown back to the in the back of their throat. They didn't actually swallow it, but they it blocked their airway. But it took like a violent force to do that. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether whether that could actually be factually accurate there. But um, moving on, uh, Chilton. Do you remember when they're in Memphis and Chilton is sort of taking credit for being sort of Hannibal Lecter's handler, sort of his doctor, and he was announcing to the media. He said, oh, "We are closing in on Buffalo Bill." Yeah. So surely while this is still an active case, wouldn't that have just set off Buffalo Bill to kill the victim? Like, why say that? 
So I, 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 the thing I thought about that was as if he would be allowed to, able, yeah. or, you know, I just don't feel like that dude would would have any authority to make such a statement. Yeah. I that, think was you, what, you, that was what struck me about maybe that. Maybe he's talking out of school, I guess, and maybe yeah. blowing the whole case. But um, uh, my last little plot point there, little plot hole, and I'm, I'm all, or I should say, why would you do this, was when James Gum lets Jodie Foster, lets Clarice Starling into his house. Remember, she identifies herself, talks about Federica Bimmel. He goes, oh, yeah, I heard about that. I read about that in the newspaper. And then he he's so helpful to her. Part of the Why rush. let him in? No? Part of the rush? Part of the You reckon? So do you reckon he was trying to lure her in? Remember, he invited her in. He goes, I, don't oh, think, I don't think he had lured as in intentions to kill. I just think no. it was the rush of getting away with it. Right, so you thought that he was so dancing so close to it that he wanted to sort of – because at the end of it, before he ran out of the room and the whole the whole chase started, he was asking – I think he asked the question, he goes, are you any closer to – have you found out anything? Are you closer to catching him? So mm. maybe he invited her in just to try to pick a brain a little bit, so, so to I, speak. So I have a plot hole question, yeah. and that is the whole Memphis thing. Yeah. Like in reality, wouldn't it have been easier – to bring a senator and her entourage to Hannibal than taking Hannibal to her. And secondly, even if you do do that, you fly him, they're in an aircraft hangar. You fly him straight home. What are you putting, what are you creating a new cell for the bloke? Yeah, you were, maybe there was a, wasn't a late flight that night. I don't know. It's, surprise, it's not like <laughs> he, he was overnight. flying JetBlue. Maybe that was part of his conditions. He wouldn't have to stay overnight. He wouldn't have to overnight. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a lot <laughs> of trouble and expense to go to. Yeah. Very good point. Just to get a little bit of information out of a bloke. Now, okay. if he has to see her, then sure, fly yeah, him there. But it's but not like put him straight like back it. on the plane, folks. Yeah, okay, but uh, I think the fact that they brought him to her, like she's a senator for God's sake, she's not going to go to where the asylum is. They're going to bring him to her. It's her daughter. She'd go yeah. anywhere. But leaving yeah, that thought. aside, even though you do bring him, you put him straight back on the plane. Yeah, get him. Get him back home. Yeah, no overnight stay for Hannibal Lecter in the future. Yeah. All right, let's move on, mate. Things you might not know, some fascinating things coming up here. Uh, after Jodie Foster, she read the Thomas Harris novel, uh, and she actually tried to buy the rights for the novel herself. Oh, really? Did you believe? Could you believe that? But only she only discovered then, when she tried to bid for the rights, apparently the rights had already been bought by Gene Hackman. <laughs> Gene Hackman had already owned the rights to this and he was t- intending to direct it and also play either Hannibal Lecter or Jack Crawford in the film as well. Wow. But things didn't work out and uh, the movie, as we saw, unfolded. Now, w- what I find interesting too, there was a, there's a lot of stories recently about the 30th anniversary of, uh, of Silence of the Lambs. I read in one interview where Anthony Hopkins was retelling the story about how he found out about the project. Yeah. And his agent called him and told him, well, there's this project called Silence of the Lambs. He initially thought that it was a children's story <laughs> he, and how wrong he was. And then uh, they, that was when he heard the name of the project. But then his agent said, oh, look, it's also going to be starring Jodie Foster. And they said, okay, well, maybe we'll be, have, take a serious look at this thing. Um, the other thing too, Jonathan Demme, who directed the movie, won an Oscar, he originally wanted Michelle Pfeiffer to play Clarice Starling. Wow. Now, one of his earlier films that I mentioned, it was Married to the Mob, which was a comedy, an underrated comedy, starring Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Alec Baldwin, and 
he directed her in that shortly before Silence of the Lambs. Oh. And apparently what happened, because Jodie Foster was already attached to this project, when he came on as director and she actually flew out to see him to to convince him that she was the right actor for the job. She's oh. already won an Oscar, by the way, so she still had to convince Jonathan Demme that she was the right the right Clarice oh, wow. for the role. Yeah. There was the ending. Would you agree? The ending was pretty cool. That line at the end was awesome. But there was apparently an alternate ending that they didn't use. The alternate ending showed Dr. Lecter on the phone with Clarice, right? So that bit would have been the same. But then after he hung up, the camera pulls back and you see Dr. Chilton tied up in a chair. So it kind of played forward to what you think he was going to do. And uh, he was holding a knife and he says, shall we begin? And apparently the director, uh, Jonathan Demme, didn't like that ending. He thought it was a little bit too gruesome. So he kind of left it to the viewer's imagination and left it as it was where he's just sort of following casually behind him in the crowd, getting lost in the crowd. Right. So uh, that, that was how that worked out. Now, Anthony Hopkins, he won the Best Actor Oscar for Silence of the Lambs. Would you believe he was only on screen for 24 minutes and 52 seconds of the two-hour movie? That was the second shortest time for an actor to win an Academy Award for Best Actor. Wow. Uh, the, the, the person who was had a shorter role and still won Best Actor yeah. was David Niven in the film Separate Tables in 1958. He had 23 minutes and 39 seconds of screen time. So he beat him by ne- nearly a minute there, by over a minute. So he still won an Oscar, though, for 24 minutes, 52 seconds, second only to David Niven, who had an even shorter time. Yeah, wow. Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins, two biggest stars of the show, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Only shared four scenes together. In that two-hour movie, there were only there were only four scenes with them together. Wow. Which I thought was pretty fascinating. And also, too, the FBI used this movie that they 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 cooperated with the producers and they gave them all the help they needed because they thought it might have been a good movie as a uh, to help them as a recruiting tool. I did think that Try because more women it's into one the of those FBI. ones where you look yeah. at it and you go, oh, how do they do this? And then you go, oh, my God, they're actually – like this is not a building that they've just found that yeah. they've turned into this. That's Like that's the FBI. Yeah, so they, they did have their full support knowing that they're going to get something out of it. And, and I understand uh, recruits to the FBI increased after Silence of the Lambs. Ah, so did you notice – some interesting did you notice this, Trev? I'm going to test you here, okay? Yeah. Did you notice that when, and this is a tool that Jonathan Demme, the director, often does, when characters were talking to Jodie Foster, did you notice they were talking directly to the camera? They weren't no, looking off to the side. No. They looked directly down the barrel whenever they were addressing Starling. To the point there is that the movie is, is, is directly following her, and so that's yes. how. Yet, so every character that talks to Clarice Starling is looking down the barrel. Everyone, Jack Crawford, Lecter, her recruit mate, the doctor, all of them. Wow. But when Jodie Foster's talking to another character, she's looking slightly off center so that the movie is meant to be her point of view. So that there's something Jonathan Demme does a lot in, in his films, but they wanted the audience, he wanted the audience to directly experience her point of view. Wow. I yeah. like that. That's really cool. Now, during um, do you remember when uh, she was going to visit 
Dr. Lecter for the very first time and Dr. Chilton was giving her the instructions. Don't do this. Don't do that. He goes, here's what's when here's, he feigned a heart attack. Here's what he did to a nurse. And he showed her a picture. You don't he never see showed it, though. Yeah, you don't see a picture. And they said, oh, she managed to save her eye and they reset her jaw and all that sort of stuff. And she says his heart rate never got above 85. Now, <laughs> forward to the ambulance scene. Remember how Dr. Lecter's got the other copper's face on, right? Yeah. And he's sitting in the back of the ambulance. And on the intercom, the paramedic mentions the patient has a pulse of 84. <laughs> so he's managed to keep his heart rate still. He's Carl kills a cucumber, Dr. Lecter. Did you notice too, there was some, uh, one of the police officers in Memphis was a very famous singer. I don't know whether you identified that, that singer. No. Have you heard of Chris Isaac? Oh, no, no. You know what? I, I didn't see him in the bloody movie, but I saw him yeah. in the titles at the start yes. of the movie. I thought, Chris Isaac? Chris Isaac, yeah. So I he was one of the recruits. Peg him in the movie, right. Yeah, he was sort of going up the stairs and with a gun you know, in the building. Remember when they were looking at the elevator and all that? He was one of the officers uh, in that scene as well. Oh, uh, there you go. Um, when Clarice Starling is talking to Buffalo Bill, remember, in his house, and he sees the moth, she sees the moth landing on the on the, the reel. Yep. If you're watching in HD, or in your case, I, I watch it on Blu-rays, but it is on 4K on Stan, you were saying, weren't you? Yep. 4K. If you take a really close look, you'll see a really thin thread attached to the moth. <laughs> what apparently they did, how they filmed that, they filmed it backwards. So they had, the, they had the moth there, and then they yanked it off with the string and then just reverse the footage so that it looks like it's landing on the on the reel. But if you look closely in HD or 4K, you'll see a tiny little thread on the top of the moth. <laughs> now, again, did you watch to the end of the credits, Trev? No, Stephen, I didn't. You missed something then if you did it. What did I miss? If you, if you watch to, during the end credits, remember the final thing you see in this case, the credits start to roll, is Hannibal Lecter walking up the busy street following Dr. Chilton. Oh, no, I, did, I saw that. Okay, but if you were watching long enough, the credit that just rolls for quite a long time. Oh, right, yeah. As it's rolling, the credit for Roden, so as it reaches that part of the screen, uh, his hat blows off. And someone, one of the extras, picks it up and gives it to him to put it back on again. His hat blows, his hat blows off in the breeze. Really only if you've got a HD or 4K, you'd see it a bit clearer, but you've got to be really watching out for that one. Wow. If, you'd told you me, never noticed if you'd have said to me, make sure you watch the credits, <laughs> I'd have been massively disappointed by a hat coming off. Okay? Because, okay. mate, in Disney oh. Pixar movies, the credits are full of content, okay? Yes. And, and Avenger movies too. Make sure you watch to the oh, end. They, well, right, okay. They are. Yes. Okay. Well, that, that brings us to the end, mate. Give us your wrap-up and rating. What, yeah. what would you give this one? Look, I enjoyed it because I do love crime uh, investigation-style content generally. Um, and so I love this from, from the way, the perspective of it. Um, look, oh, mate, this is an eight out of ten for me. I, I really enjoyed yeah. it. It's not, you know, it's not the best movie of all time that I've seen, and I can, I can understand why it went, wins Oscars yeah. at the time. For me, yeah, it's a great eight out of ten. Did did it? Was it as gruesome as you expected? No, Less, not at all. More, not at no? all. You were expecting worse, and it, oh, it was. Oh, I was expecting way worse. Like the okay. most, if you think about, um, obviously there was some dead body scenes with some you know, icky parts yeah cut out skin and stuff you saw him yeah. sewing skin and there was that moment where she was walking through the house or he was walking through the house where you you do see a, an almost full female yeah. form on a um dressmaker's yeah yeah no no on a dressmaker's 
stands. Yeah. Like it's a suit. Yes. And it's like it, it, it actually looks together, yeah. it actually looks far too good to be honest. It doesn't look like it's got enough <laughs> seams in it that, that it's real. But um yeah, I, I didn't think it was that gruesome at all. Other than like it's it's one of those you know when they say in the you know warnings they say you know um instead of violent scenes, they say violent innuendo or whatever they say. Same with like sex scenes and sexual innuendo. Yeah. It felt like it was more about the, the what it put in your head than what you showed. And I think that, that moment where she first came to visit Lecter, where, where she sees the photo, but we never see it, is an exact example of that. You don't need to see it. You need to imagine yeah. what he did to this person. Exactly right, which is worse, I think. Yeah, what you what you Spot imagine. Yeah. Leave it up to the audience. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, that's a wrap. It's a solid, solid nine. Every movie we do on this show is an eight or nine for me, so no surprise there. But that was a wrap for Silence of the Lambs. And uh, a movie 30 years old still holds uh, still holds up, plays very well, hasn't aged at all. I think it's a, an excellent movie. And as you said, no surprise that it, that it cleaned up the Oscars. It was directed. It was directed well. The acting was fantastic. The whole thing was a was a work of art. But uh, let's look forward to next week's show. Uh, we're a bit more recent with our selection. It's Bohemian Rhapsody. Cannot wait the, for this one. Yeah. As a massive, massive Queen fan. Yeah. Um, Queen the rock band. Okay. I'm just blown away <laughs> that I didn't actually watch this one in cinemas. Let alone, I believe I, I will say I believe I watched the start of it at the very least on a plane. Yep, uh, I'm not sure I got through it. It's not the I, same. Mate. I try not and sleep same. on planes, so yeah. um, there's it's, bits. It's a, there's yeah. bits of it I've definitely I can definitely visualise. There's certainly yeah. scenes of this I, I can I could name scenes that occurred because of the movie, but sure. it's it's going to be a great focuses, one to unpack. Focuses in on Queen and obviously Freddie Mercury, sort of the front man of the band as well. I think, from my point of view, the the fascinating thing for that uh, podcast will be unpacking the the truths yeah the fact v fiction yeah. absolutely yeah. yeah we love doing that and again it's based on true a true story so you're in yeah. you're in the had you at hello there exactly but again for our listeners that's your homework if you want to be listening all the way through make sure you catch up with bohemian rhapsody and then we're going to unpack it next week trev you can, you can do that on fetch search on uh, on fetch for bohemian rhapsody and uh, hopefully you've got the uh, the knowledge and the and the the thoughts on it before you uh, catch next week's show thanks to fetch well, that was a killer show. Get it? Killer show. Next uh, week, though, Bohemian Rhapsody. Make sure you watch it. Trevor, once again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, mate.